0: Yes, sir. It is Wednesday, March 24th, the year 2021. And Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. Tonight, we are at a point in Browns' free agency and the offseason here where it's time to kind of take inventory and look at where we go next. And uh, that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. Uh, with special guest, uh, the one and only Jake Burns. Jake is a film analyst and football writer over at the OBR, host of the OBR Film Room Breakdown, also of the Blue Wire family. Let's bring Jake on here. Jake, how are we doing tonight, sir? Hey, Brad, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely fired up here to uh, go over some of this stuff with you. Let's do a quick kind of recap here. Uh, Free agency recap, Uh, let's start with newcomers, you know, we've got the headliners, so John Johnson III, Tack McKinley, Troy Hill, Anthony Walker, Malik Jackson, I don't know if you want to call Greg Sennett a keep or an ad, he was on the Browns at one point, I know, Um, and the guys that they've kept are obviously Kaderil Hodge, Rashard Higgins, uh, Malcolm Smith, Jojo Natson. Cody Parkey and Elijah Lee Uh, Home runs with Johnson Hill Walker seems really impressive As a guy Uh, Tell me a little bit I did an interview with a guy uh, That does Colts stuff last night On Anthony Walker Seems like a really impressive person What do you see on film with Anthony Walker? Well, he's he's primarily a Mike linebacker who's
1: played next to Darius Leonard for a significant portion of his career. So he's had he's had quality talent around him, and is definitely a guy who is known uh, in a similar mold to John Johnson for being a leader uh, on and off the field. A guy who's vocal, uh, a guy who's committed to calling out defensive signals, getting guys aligned in the right position. A uh, big big time help in preparation, big time help in film study. Those sorts of things stood out. I mean, you know, it doesn't take. A genius to 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 watch how his teammates talked about him and understand the impact he made, and I'm sure I'm sure your guy mentioned the same things. I mean, for for a guy like Darius Leonard, who is is big a name at linebackers, there is in the NFL. In my opinion, if you if you don't know his name, you're not paying attention. To make that kind of tribute video to a player leaving, it's significant. It means something. It means that he had a profound impact on him, and 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 I would say he's going to have a profound impact on Jacob Phillips. I mean, like you look at your, and not just Jacob Phillips, but if he has that kind of impact on Darius Leonard a guy who has you know top talent who who he can earn his respect uh pretty quickly you know how's that going to impact a, it's it's overall a young group i mean Malcolm yeah. Smith aside who 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 i think is going to have a decreased role but still a role in certain situations you you know how does he rub off on Jacob Phillips especially because that's kind of the guy you pigeonhole as maybe the future of the mike linebacker position in cleveland he might play. Will I'll be interested to see making definitive claims on where these guys are going to play right now is a little rough. I think, I think. Listen, I think Walker's going to be the Mike, and then you know people kind of had the idea based on how how well Jacob Phillips filled in for B.J. Goodson late in the year and had his most productive game week 17 and had a bigger role in the playoffs that he would maybe step into the shoes and fill that Mike role. Uh, but but that's kind of clear. They might shift him out and, and make him more of the modern Will, so a guy who can play with speed, a guy who can run well, can get into coverage, maybe not adept at feeling out coverage, but they think hope plan on uh, anthony walker helping with that helping with preparation helping with knowing where to be all of those things to lighten the burden on that room and teach them and teach not only jacob Phillips but teach mac wilson who's trying to hang on to his career here yes. he's trying to find a role whether that mac is the second mike linebacker or whatever they decide to do with him Taki Taki has started to make strides in the right direction especially as a sam linebacker playing downhill in base sets but he he may plays in the passing game late in the year uh but 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 definitely is not a guy known for for, for his ability to cover so uh, what, what I guess it comes down to what kind of impact can Anthony Walker have on those guys. Can he teach them things? Can he teach them some tricks, things that he's learned along the way that has helped his NFL career? Because Anthony Walker's not the greatest athlete in the world, not the twitchiest, right. not the quickest, but he's found a niche in the NFL. He's, he's found a way to make plays. He's found a way to do enough to be a valuable part of a franchise. And then not just a valuable part of a franchise. If you remember playing the Colts last year, those guys played the run game as well as anybody in the NFL. Yes. and He was the anchor of that, a big part of that. So you hope he brings that to Cleveland. The expanded coverage, which we will talk about the ability of John Johnson, Troy Hill, Greedy, coming back healthy, Denzel Ward, is that with Ronnie Harrison, too, is that they will play a minimal role in pass coverage. And they will just kind of anchor a little area, whether that's curl flat, whether that's a hook, a middle, deep middle, whatever it is. Make that role as easy on those guys as possible is kind of the hope. And let those linebackers that you're going to play, whether that's one and dime sets or two in nickel sets or base looks, play downhill, play aggressive. So um, Yeah. You know, Anthony Walker's not a big name, but but he's a good name for what they do with the linebacker position, how they view it, how they value it. And um, I was a B.J. Goodson supporter. It's not it's not a secret. I, I thought they would bring him back. Yeah. I thought the value was right. But I also can get behind somebody who brings not just the ability to be a, a good enough or, or, or solid NFL middle linebacker, but a guy who can you know rub off on teammates and be a leader and be a locker room presence. That stuff matters too, especially when you you're still bringing guys along and how to win at the NFL level.
0: Yeah, for sure. Guys that are, I mean, they brought in two guys. When you look at John Johnson third and him, guys that are 25, 26 years old that are already leaders and that had that kind of impact, as you talked about, in that, you know, where uh, Darius uh, Leonard had, you know, basically credited him with being the man that he is and the player that he is today. So pretty impressive stuff there. Uh, seems like a good fit, at least off the field, for sure. And like you said, hope he rubs off on those other guys. Thoughts on bringing Malcolm Smith back? Are, are you okay with that move? Yeah, I mean, a guy who, who if you need, I'm guessing how they view
1: this is, we, we want Jacob Phillips to be our will. If he cannot handle that role because they did not get a great answer on it due to the knee injuries last year, if he cannot handle that role, we need a backup plan and a guy that has proven to be, uh, a respected player in coverage, athlete that can move in space, feel out routes, uh, make an impact in coverage, but can play the run game a little bit okay, too. So as far as, like, a safety plan, um, yeah, it's it's a fine, and the contract's minimal. If they if the worst is the worst, well, I guess this would be the best-case scenario is that Jacob Phillips comes into camp ready to go. He's rocking and rolling. He has a great training camp and a great preseason, right. and it's like, hey, man, we're ready to throw him in and play him. Then, then Malcolm Smith's role is probably pretty minimal. That would be the ideal thing, but if, if Jacob Phillips is not ready to handle that burden, having somebody like Malcolm Smith, who is comfortable in Joe Wood's defense primarily first and foremost, and can can play spot duty, can play pass coverage situations, can step in and start for that price, I'm more than fine with having Malcolm back. It probably okay. to the point that, and I've been pretty vocal about this, they, they were not going to sign a free agent linebacker of significance, spe- especially you know But dollar cents wise. But yeah. I would be very, 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 very surprised if they spend any of their first four picks on a linebacker, too. I just, yeah. just don't think they view it as that valuable. And they made sure to have plans for that position that uh, covered up for, for you know, the immediate and the future.
0: Yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, Walker is that solution there. And I, I, I agree with you. I don't think they'll extend any further, at least with valuable assets to address that. Uh, I think they probably have a check, you know, next to that. Uh, at as far as that point goes, uh, bringing Cody Parkey back. I, I hate talking about kickers, but it is kind of a stri- uh, it's a difficult it's a difficult question. Do you have an issue with bringing Cody Parkey back? I mean, there's there's a benefit to it. Like it's so hard to kick in Cleveland. So anybody that's kicked in Cleveland, do you almost want to bring him back because there's something. I mean, that's real, right? The experience of kicking there oh, is yeah. real uh but uh his numbers weren't bad it's a good season for him right uh if you look at the raw numbers however he wasn't he wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination he doesn't have a big leg or anything
1: no I think you you see Kevin Stefanski's aggressiveness in fourth down situations especially when they cross the 50 yard line like that's who he wants to be so I, I don't think they're ever going to challenge Cody's leg deep shot wise now like could there be a moment where they need a 55-yarder in a, in a big game to win it? Yeah, that would probably be difficult to swallow. But for the most part, they don't want to push his leg anyway. They don't want to play football that way. So my opinion on how they would sit around and discuss this is, is was Cody good enough last year? Yeah. Could he be better? Could we have a better kicker? Sure. We will always be scouring the market for a better kicker. We will be bringing in people. We will be challenging him, bigger leg, whatever – but it's nice to have a guy back who's familiar with Cleveland, familiar with the win, familiar with the this, this, this situation and the division now. Um, and, you know, not his first rodeo in Cleveland as well. So it's like I, I, I'm totally fine with it. I think he's accurate where he needs to be accurate from. If he has a fall off, it's a minimal commitment. You can look at bringing in other kickers at that point. But, you know, you could do so much worse than what he did last. Could you do better? Sure. But he was fine. And, and you know, I, a lot of people always texted me about that, like just – it's hard to be kicking. It's really hard. It's hard because yeah. you make like you make like 25 plays a year and you yes. miss a couple of them and that's what people remember. So uh, yes. the, their goal is to really – their goal is to, as often as possible, there has been some good metrics put out on this in the past few days, be as aggressive on fourth down as they can and put themselves in situations where they're not relying on 48, 49, 50 and above kicks from their kicker. They don't want to do that. And I don't think it even matters if it was Cody Parkey or some guy who's – got a bigger leg. Like, I just don't think they want to risk that until they get to the point, maybe that they have somebody of the, the, the Bucker or, or, or if you ever strike gold and get a Tucker level kicker, uh, you know, that, that, that stuff's it's rare, but um, yeah, they, they just are going to try to minimize that as much as they can. And they thought that Cody was good enough last year and he he was fine on kickoffs too. So uh, that's, that's
0: all positive. Yeah. You did a good job with that stuff. I'm going to bring up some stuff here for us. A little bit of news here today. Uh, Let's see. Mikey gets that right. There we go. Well done, Mikey. Uh, Jadavian Clowney uh, visits the Browns. It's the uh, news of the day here. Uh, You know, he comes in. He leaves unsigned. Uh, You know, pass rusher was with the Titans last year. Disappointing season, but... This has been an on and off again courtship that the Browns have been in with Clowney with. And it kind of, we can start with Tack McKinley here a little bit. And that, do you think, you know, now that you see that they brought Clowney in and, and we don't know what it was for, if it was like to check on his knee or whatever, right? Uh, and he leaves without a contract. Do you think their plan initially was to hit bigger at the edge position and they just weren't going to overpay, or was this always part of their plan, like they were just going to you know, find a stopgap and address it a different way later?
1: I think they had probably multiple routes they wanted to go, depending on first what John Johnson did. If John Johnson was interested in the money that they gave him, probably tighten their belt a little bit more than they were anticipating to go after Carl Lawson, Trey Henderson. So I think they were in on J.J., obviously. I think they were aggressive in their pursuit of him, didn't get him, said, hey, we're going to go into this free agency period, we're going to look at it going aggressively after the safety we want. We'll see what decision he makes. We're going to put offers into Kendrickson. We're going to put an offer into Lawson, and we're going to see where they sit. And those two guys were patient. And I yeah. think that they, but I do think they were aggressive, but not overly aggressive to the point that others were. And they said, Hey, if you want to be a part of what we have being built here, take this money or, or don't. And they didn't take it. They've, they've uh, passed the money around to some different locations. And I, I, I continue to say they are. I, they're invested in Tack McKinley. Like, I just think they claimed him multiple times. They see him as a, a lotto yeah. ticket player who was, who was yeah. people forget Tack was relatively fine. And if above average, his first three seasons over 130 pressures before right. things fell off when Dan Quinn's whole team went off the rails there this last year, like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're worried about what happened in his fourth year, but you also say, Hey, for 5 million in a one year deal, maybe this guy reignites his entire career, his approach becomes a, you know, a quasi-Shaq Barrett when he left Denver and, and ends in nineteen sacks his first year in Tampa. I'm not saying he's gonna have nineteen sacks, but that's kinda like what you're trying to do here. So uh they like him. They think he can be a better player without the burden of having to play alongside or be the number one guy. He can he can be relieved next to Miles or opposite Miles and, and have more one on one situations. And um that could be good for him. It could light something. They like Porter Guston, I think. And And they're going to get, I mean, it's interesting to me is that this is the first connection they've had to anybody of the elder statement in the defensive line. Like any Curry was always going to be interesting. Melvin Ingram was always going to be interesting. Some of those guys in, and and definitely there was links to Clowney because of the money they offered him last year. So it's nice to hear that they're interested in some sort of defensive end veteran that can be a guy, uh, especially, I mean, I I view Clowney as having two or three good football seasons left in him. I mean, before he really starts to fall off an injury last year, but it's always played the run game really effectively. So, like, yeah, um, yeah I, mean, I mean, I'm mean, i happy they're interested. I don't know what it really means. They might have been looking at the injury. They might have just wanted to sit down and be like, hey, man, what does it really take to get you here? What is it like? Do you like the place? Do you like Cleek? Can you see yourself? Play? There's a could be a whole feeling out process there. Clowney's proven that he will take his time in making a decision. So uh, I'm just encouraged to hear that they are looking at the veteran DN market. Still some names out there of interest and, and definitely guys in the draft of interest, too.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, just real quickly here with Clowney. I mean, we know that, like, you know, the Browns were out there, supposedly out there for, like, $17 million a, for a year last year. Uh, I mean, he ended up getting 13 right? right, uh, to go play with the Titans. He was banged up. He's got the knee issues, zero sacks. But he's not really, like, a sack guy. He's kind of a more, like, uh, fuck-the-play-up guy, right? Like, he's not he just kind of wreaks havoc back there more than he does, you know, get straightaway sacks and he plays the run really well. Like you said, even in like, if you check his weekly grades and he played what, 10 weeks here. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I laughed now that I'm looking at this PFF after your timeline today about, you were in a quite a discussion about PFF grades, but yeah. Uh, but his, I think people uh,
1: misinterpreted uh, that. I wasn't not yeah. PFF. I was like giving them credit for, Yeah. Kind of changing the way people talk about football. Like imagine in 2010 being like that guy was a, that guy's a 74 overall. Like, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I love it as a tool, but I don't take it like, I kind of like, you know, it's a great tool, but it's, it's uh and it's something that you can go to quickly. And there's some, um, I mean, it has some worth, it has some value, certainly, but I think there's a lot of things that can't be measured this way, so I think it's just a tool. It's the kind of the way that I look at it, and it, a valuable one, certainly. But uh, you look at his pass rush, though, even though without the, the, the sacks, I mean, he's still up there in most of these weeks, 74, 78. He ends with a 69-6 uh, for the year, and in, in his career it's not like he's trending downwards. He's been trending upwards in his past rush grades pretty much, except for last year, getting close to 80 there and 18 and 19 with Seattle. So, I mean, the que- the ultimate question here, and, and I can kind of skip over this because we already talked about it, is he leaves without signing. Uh, we don't know why he was there. The ultimate question is, what really is his asking price? I mean, this guy is known to ask for a lot of money, right? I mean, don't you think he's probably asking for upwards of $10 million again? And why would the Browns even mess around with that when there's like a Carlos Dunlap out there who, for me, I'm really interested in?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to tell. You, I mean, I don't really know what he's after. He could be – I mean, he views himself as the, as the quality player I still think he is. And it, it boils down to what the Browns think of him. Like if they think Carlos Dunlap's a better player uh, for cheaper, they could certainly go that route. Or do they could view like Clowney is a long-term three or four year piece here. Like there's, he's still relatively young. That's he's not interesting. old. Yeah. So it's like, it it depends what they view of him um, and, and how, how willing Jadevian is to, to bend on some of those things because the market for him is not as hot. And you got to think this guy's been on top of the athlete world his whole life from high school to, to college to the the first pick in the draft like he, you know, he's not used to being people telling him he's bad. So like there's an accepting, uh, (laughs) you got to accept your situation where, listen, I think he's good. And I I don't, I don't judge a player by his sacks Uh, because I think you, you have to create pressure. I I judge players by pressure percentage and he does, he does. Okay. He does fine. He gets close. And I mean, you, you, you affect the quarterback as much as anything getting close and changing their eyes and changing their direction and changing their footwork. And, yeah, you would want him to have a 15 sack season, but you know, go watch 90 percent of sacks in the NFL. They're not they're not plays that guys always make. They're a quarterback moves into their direction, and that that's why the sack happens. And the guy bails the one direction, and you're right there to, to make the. It's just it's not always cut and dry. So, uh, yeah. does he get pressure on the quarterback? Yes. Does he play the run game fine? Yes. Okay. Well, he can be on my football team. So if they can make the money work, <laughs> I'm not going to stress about it because I think they have people in that front office who know infinitely more than myself and folks on Twitter do, and they have a plan, uh, I would imagine that that involves uh, not burning through rollover cap, not burning through the things that make it necessary to keep the long-term puzzle alive. And if Clowney does not want to fall into those financial parameters, then it'll be a move along. Like that's just kind of the nature of it. So you hope it can work out, but if they sign them to a $13 million deal, I'm not going to be like, Oh my God, the world is ending. Like they, uh, they clearly have some kind of plan you look at how they structured John Johnson's contract, if you look at how they structured Troy Hill, they've softened the cap numbers, even dating back to Austin Hooper and Jack Conklin on the on the present year. And they have not. You've got to remember, people have not talked about this enough, so many teams across the NFL have restructured contracts to buy out some guys' uh, salary cap number and give them more up front. Cleveland hasn't done that. They've held on to some of those things for movement that they can make in the future. And if they say, hey, we really want Clowney. Well, we're gonna. Then we need to restructure Sheldon to free up a little bit of money here. They they can do those things. That's something that's there for them.
0: Yeah, the guys that stand out are, are uh, what uh, you said. Um, Who did you just say? I'm sorry. Sheldon. Sheldon yeah. and, and Landry both are kind yeah. of are in a situation where you could say, "Hey, we'd like to keep you around, maybe for another year." You know, roll that contract into a signing bonus and really lower yep. that cap number right and um, you can mess with Odell's number 2 like you can you can manipulate some of your people to make it right
1: make it work and the void years they've attached have been uh, a smart thing to do and and it, i don't have any concerns about the brown salary cap right now like
0: okay. no, <laughs> when okay. it
1: like when it comes down to when they really start signing a bunch of guys long term which is down the line is baker and 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 i think they end up paying nick some money And I think they end up giving Denzel another contract like that's when I'll start to say, okay, things are getting a little tighter, but they can manipulate people they have right now to make it work. So I'm just not going to spend time in front of my computer stressing about numbers that, that, Brad, we may know 50 50 percent of total. Like we may know maybe 50 percent of the of the puzzle pieces and how that all fits together. Like. I think we underestimate that publicly like we don't really know what the structure is of these things and we don't know what they can do what is in front of them eligible to be done so I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about
0: it. Yeah. Uh, so clearly I have been worrying about it as you see uh but <laughs> that's, that's that's what okay. it's I'm not going to knock
1: it. I'm not going to knock people do it but I just yeah. I just like I, I don't no. know. my brain's small, so I can't. I can't do too much of that with numbers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just kind of just behind of, kind of researching it. They have you know the, the Browns in here at like fourteen million dollars over the cap has the same number, and that's your top fifty-one number, right? Which is kind of probably the right number to look at because you get a lot of displaced money when guys get added on to the to the roster, and then they don't have Higgins in here yet. Malik Jackson, Elijah Lee, JoJo uh, Nats in. Uh, Greg Senate, and uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Is it Senate? It could be Senate. I, I don't know. Your, your yeah. guess is as good as mine. And then Anthony Walker Jr. Now, the highlighted players come to about $12 million the way that I look at it. Now that, you know, will displace some money. Uh, You know, people are looking a lot in the, you know, I've seen it in a lot of chat rooms and people on Twitter saying, oh, but, you know, they have eight, eight, almost $9 million that they have to dedicate for the draft. But if you look at it on here, you know, guys that are going to be in the top 51, you're probably looking at more around $5 million, which is how it'll break down eventually. So with the, you know, the $12 million, the displaced money from the salary, uh, you come to pretty close to the salary cap. But the thing we don't know is we haven't seen about five contracts which have unknown bonuses. And, and a lot of those could have, you know, those bonuses will get prorated. And, and we kind of broke down the Troy Hill here de- deal a little bit of a way to kind of show people that, you know, and you can help me with this here a little bit, it, it just how that these deals can be signed, especially this offseason with the cap crunch, where teams can pay, you know, $2 million cap hit this year and still sign the person to a significant deal like they did with Troy Hill, where on the surface it looked like four years, $48 million, right? But really, it's it's two years, $9 million, right? Uh, or four years, $24 million, I meant. Um, and it's two years, $9 million guaranteed. And what they did was put those, you know, the two void years on, uh, you get the $9 million guaranteed. They give them a $1 million base this year, give them three point five million and a signing bonus. And those four years and the two void years all together allows them to prorate that signing bonus And uh, $875,000. So your cap cap hit is actually $1.8 million. And a lot of teams are doing this with all their guys. Uh, It's actually almost laughable when you look at, like, uh, the Taysom Hill deal where, you know, they made it look like it was a monstrous deal and it really was just a restructure, right? There was no new money on it at all. Uh, So if you look at stuff like this, then maybe a clowny deal or a Carlos Dunlap or somebody in free agency is possible. So ultimately, I guess my question for you is, do you think they're done in free agency?
1: No, no. I think they, they're they going to pursue an outside corner in some form or fashion, and I, and I think they're going to pursue an end. I, I don't know if it ends up being clowny that they go seriously after, but they're, they're going to pursue those two positions. I don't think they want to go into the draft feeling like they have to go get positions. They want to take the best player available at those moments. So I, I definitely think that they have, they have figured out a way to press this thing and, um, they have a good feel for what they can do to continue to open more money if need be. And, um, I trust, I trust them, Brad. And I think, I think that they're going to continue to be floated around as a, as a team that some guys are after. And I would not be surprised if they signed two more guys whatsoever.
0: Okay. Uh, along that thought line, let's take just a quick look with me here. Any names that jump off to you that you really like? I mentioned that I like uh, I like Carlos Dunlap a lot. It felt like he had a real good resurgence there in Seattle. He seems to kind of fit in my eyes. Um, I think Alden Smith might be worth like a lottery ticket chance. You know, I mean, he played well, kind of fell off towards the end of the year. But these are your best available edge rushers here: Clowney, Houston, Dunlap, Ingram. Smith and Griffin. Uh, any of those you really like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I would prefer Clowney or Dunlap above all else. I mean, okay. Ju- I mean, Justin Houston would be fine. I just have no reason to think they're connected to him. Um, yeah, but 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 they could. I, I don't. I don't. The only guy there that's not really of interest to me is. I mean, I like Melvin Ingram too. I don't think he had very good sack numbers last year, but he pressured people really well in 2020. And again, I think pressures, consistent pressure over the long haul, ends up converting to. S- yeah. I, I do think that he can be a, a particularly interesting player, and then, um, you know, Alden Smith. Can they trust him? Do they want that player around the locker room? I don't. I don't, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I'm not particularly interested. But um, Everson Griffin was really bad last year. I just don't don't see how yeah. either of those two guys fit. But if they just yeah. want a body, they could they could go get those guys. So, but I expect. In my opinion, El, uh, Ingram, Dunlap, and Clowney are the guys I'd be most most interested in.
0: Okay, uh, let's go to the other you know area, probably of most needed, which is the out wide corner. There's some guys still out on the market. Anybody here that jumps off the table? Uh, Malcolm Butler, Richard Sherman, which has obviously some experience with this uh, you know this scheme a little bit brashad breeland who i really liked watching in the playoffs uh, i i like him as a player a lot actually quentin dunbar and uh casey hayward any of these guys jump off the page to you
1: brashad breeland jumps off the page to me as like a budgetary veteran yes. who can play some press coverage when you need him to and casey hayward is is a is a veteran player who i still think can make an impact and i don't i don't know that his his 2020 i know he's getting up there in years but uh, twenty twenty was a bad year for him. Is that a sign of what's to come or is that a premonition he can have a bounce back year or two? Those veteran guys are of interest to I me. Mean, Steven Nelson still floats around on the market too from Pittsburgh, so yes. um you know he's a name too to pay attention to for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't have the trade guys on here. Like I don't know. What about Daniel Hunter? Do you have interest in him at all? Yeah, man,
1: Daniel Hunter's a hell of a football player. If they were really passionate about improving their edge position, and said, "Hey, we're going to give up a second and a future third or something along those lines." Uh, more, more than happy to have Daniil Hunter in the Cleveland Browns uniform. He's phenomenal. You would have two premier edge rushers, man. Like how they make the finances work would be particularly interesting. But yeah, I, I, I'm I, I'm probably the least opinionated on. Don't do that guy out there. Like I just I can if I can see your vision and your reasoning for why you think it's going to work, I'm fine with it because I it's kind of like who am I to tell you. That was stupid. I don't know if it's stupid till I see it's stupid. So, yeah. you know, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't have any reason to think not adding Daniel Hunter. If you're going to add, you know, you could starts to get a little questionable about paying two defensive ends that much money, how yeah. that works. But, but yeah. you know, if you're, if they're that good, you can sacrifice at some other positions and try to make it work. So, uh, but I, it's hard to see them paying that much money, especially with Daniel who wants more money even on top of that. But uh, Yeah, uh, right. That's be, why he wants yeah. that.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, you're listening and watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Make sure you hit the subscribe button down below if you're watching tonight. Our uh, special guest, Jake Burns of the OBR here. This is our uh, offseason, uh, All Eyes on Cleveland's offseason 2021 What's Next edition. Uh, as we are kind of through the first and second wave of free agency here, uh, really like what the Browns have done so far, but let's kind—it's of, kind of time to address, you know, what may be coming next. We kind of looked at what's left in free agency, potentially. Just a quick moment on the draft is the draft is a whole other show, but with what they have so far, at twenty-six in your day two picks, your valuable picks here, right? Uh, where you're going to have four picks that, that probably you could maybe get guys that you want to contribute, right, uh, with the two two third-rounders. Um, at 26 and beyond, do you want – I mean, I still look at 26 like I, I want my long-term edge there. Uh, do you feel like they are – Looking at things like that, or do you feel like they've set this up so they can just take best available? And people are always saying best available, but the best available kind of has a – I don't i don't know how you feel about best available in general. It kind of has an asterisk next to it for me. It's kind of best available considering what you have on your team, right? Sure. I mean, you don't
1: want to be a 26 and have the highest grade on Mac, Mac Jones and take the quarter. Like, yeah, I mean, you have right. to – there are parameters there, but, I mean – Here's here's what I would like. This is my view on it. You have positions you value, corner, defensive end, wide receiver, offensive tackle, quarterback. And then you're like, okay, if one of those guys that we grade really highly are there and maybe guys that we have at other positions of value, even if they're positions you think you do need eventually, are not there. So, like, for example, there's a lot of defensive ends I like, Aziz Olshuri, um, you know, Quiddy Pay. There's some guys, Gregory Rousseau, that I would be interested in at 26. If they're not there and the corners like J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, Asante Samuel have gone, I'm not going to be upset if they take like Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver, or Elijah Moore because they think they're the best player there. Like, I'm not going to get bent out of shape about that. I want value positions and I want the best player you think is at those positions. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to sit there and take a linebacker. I don't think they're going to sit there and. And take I, I would be pretty surprised if they took a defensive tackle like Christian Barmore, but like I'm just I'm just they, they have these positions I think they're limited to if the value is not there for for a guy they like in that that spot I they could trade down it's certainly yeah. logical but I want them to take the best player there if it's Trevon Merrick because they have him graded extremely high take him like I I'm fine with that I I think you you go into that and you're like okay. We we didn't our top three ends are gone, but we really have to get an end here. So maybe we take, you know, Jalen Phillips here because that's the next guy we have. Even though we have a second round or third round or fourth round grade on him because of the injury issues, concussion history, we've got to take an end here. We're, we're, or we'll take Joe Tryon even though we have a round two grade. No man, like take the best player there at important positions. That's what I want okay. you to do because, in my opinion, Brad. They don't have an answer after 2021 at wide receiver. A lot of moving parts there. A lot of contracts Absolutely. that are going to be up. They don't have an answer on the opposite defensive end after 2021 still. Don't have an right. answer long-term at defensive tackle after 2021 still. So, like, go get those guys. They need an outside corner. They, they they like greedy, but you don't know what you have still. Go get those guys at those positions. And don't worry about we have to have – an outside corner here over not going to be good no that's never what you want to think i want to go into the draft and say i don't care necessarily about 2021 in terms of what our team needs to win because we have that answer we have those pieces in place what we want to do is get to this point and evaluate what's the long term of this position look like is this an important position to winning football games and is this the best player available at that moment take him like in my opinion if you're in round four, it's pick one ten and Hunter Long, the Boston College tight end, is there. I'm not going to say to myself, "We have Njoku and we have Hooper and we have Harrison Bryant for that." Take the kid because yeah. after 2021, David Njoku could be gone. Somebody want to give him big money. You don't want to pay him. Maybe Austin Hooper doesn't have a good year next year, and you can get out of his contract after that. So Don't worry about it. Like, hey, man, we we can't go into 2021 with a fourth tight. Well, yeah, you can carry a fourth tight end and you can figure it out. Like, take. Good football players. That's what I want above all else. Take good football players at positions of value. Don't stretch yourself for positions that you think you need, and don't go waste picks on non-premium positions early. Like unless it's a freak like Nick Chubb, and you you need to spend that at that at that spot because you have nobody else or whatever. So um, yeah, that's where I'm at, man. That's kind of just yeah. my general draft philosophy.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I was going for, and I'm glad you laid it out that way. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, you look at the receiver position, like you said, you're going to need an answer there eventually, and, and even, I would go as far as to say, like, later in the draft, maybe not so much at the beginning, but on the offensive line, you're going to have some tough questions to answer in the, in the future here, in the next couple years, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to get a good offensive, young offensive lineman at some point in the draft as well. Um, well, J.C. Treader right. and Joel Batonio
1: are not getting any younger, and yes. uh, you, if you want to have contingency plans, there, I'm I'm more than open to considering an, er, an interior offensive lineman around pick four or five. I think that's a yeah. wise area to start start looking. I mean, Nick Nick Harris is fine; Uh he fits the scheme they run, but he's small, and I thought he had moments in in, in that Giants game, but he was exposed against the Jets. He's too he's too small to play guard. He can only play center. And I have genuine questions about how stout he can be to play center. Still, too, a little bit. So uh, I'm not settled because they took Nick Harris last year and they, they, they think he's the ant- – I, I need more. I need more for sure, and, and, and I hope they're interested in that.
0: What's your reasonable dream pick at 26, Ojawari?
1: Well, it was J.C. Horn, and then he tested like an unbelievable freak of nature. <laughs> 10, 10. 10.0 RAS score today, which is just out of this world. So he's probably off the board. I had been a, a staunch JC Horn believer at that pick twenty six, and, and 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 like I I don't know that I have a must yeah. take guy. There are guys who are good at this in terms of like they'll they'll peg them and rank them. And I'm I'm not a draft guru by nature. Like I'm a Browns right. film analyst who can also look at like draft guys and like them or not. Like. I, I, there's a bunch of guys. Santi Samuel's fun. Uh, yeah. if you look at defensive end, I mean, I like, I, I certainly like Aziz. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. Young can get, keep getting stronger, bigger. Good. I think his bend is better than people give him credit for. He's got a great cross chop move. Like I'm, I'm more than fine with him. If Quiddy pay slips, I'm more than fine with Quiddy pay. I'm more than fine with Barmore If they like him enough, I think he's got like interior pass rush skills are so rare and he can do that stuff really well. So I'm, I'd be fine with him. Um, you know, as far as corners go, like Greg Newsom, the Northwestern kid, is fun. Yeah, um, if I, there's some some weird rumblings about Patrick Sertan from Alabama falling a little bit. I don't know the truth to that, but I, I mean, Caleb it- Farley, the Virginia Tech kid, also with the back stuff. I, I, I'm I'm open to so many names at those important positions. Like I love. People are going to keep saying Devontae Smith is too small to ever be a really good NFL wide receiver. Then let him slip to twenty-six and welcome him in the front doors of Berea, like, yeah, like like, sure. like Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore. Those guys are wide receiver talents that I'd be fine with in round one. And I even like Terrace Marshall too, the kid from the, the the unknown kid from LSU. I like a lot too. So, but yeah. I also understand that down the line, there's some good wide receivers in this draft who can who can be fine too. So like I, I'm fine. They're they're it's hard to get me fired up about a first round pick unless it's something that I'm like, I shouldn't say that in the past, it's not always been that way, but since like At 2017, I've been fine.
0: Different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's since like 2017, I've been fine, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see what their plan is. I, I, we only have one year of evidence from Andrew Barry and people like to make definitive things about what they'll do. And, and while I think I've tried to avoid that as best I can, I, I think that we've seen guidelines from Depot through, through um, you know, through, through his time with, sashi and 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 kind of the way andrew Her- handled his first year but they could shock us they could take jok at 26 if he's there because they just like the flexibility of him even though he's labeled a linebacker he can do a bunch of different things so they could really like him so I, I don't know i can be talked into a lot of different things once i don't study these guys like crazy until yeah. after the draft because i don't want to waste my time studying 14 different prospects that they're not going to take It's just like I have the sun, I have valuable time. So you pick the guys, I'll look at them and tell you whether I think it's a good pick or not. So, you know, maybe on the guy you check back in with later. But um, there's a bunch of guys I'd be fine with there.
0: I like that philosophy, right? Why study a bunch of guys that aren't going to play for your team? All right. (laughs) (laughs) Some guys have
1: that time. Maybe I'll have that time later in my life. But right now it's like I got to really, really calculate it with my minutes.
0: Yeah, no, I feel you on that one. That's good stuff. And it doesn't make it any easier for you on J.C. Horn that you're really high on that he comes out and says that he's talked to the Browns. uh, They're a team on the come-up. It would be a blessing if they drafted him. That just makes it staying a little worse, right, that he's probably going to go up the board uh, on his pro day Zoom talking about the Browns. That was interesting. Uh, And I saw you say that he probably will not be there at this point, right? Yeah, if
1: he's there at 26, I would be like, I would run the, I'd light my pants on fire. Like, I just don't think he's going to be there. I'm going to hold you
0: to that jake <laughs> listen like if it happens i will i will
1: right. i will click a backyard video of my pants on fire
0: out there so okay just kidding i'm not really gonna hold you to it. all right um let's uh, transition then from draft because that's you know a whole nother you know thing and i just kind of wanted to get your philosophy on that certainly value uh, your take on that for sure and and agree with kind of pretty much the everything you said there um Let's talk extensions real quick, because uh, this is, this gets a little, I don't know, some of these are a little tricky, especially Nick Chubb right now. So this is the off season for Nick Chubb extension, right? Uh, and uh, I guess I, I don't know if they do it during the season or, or how that looks. Aaron Jones just took a four-year $48 million deal, which is really like two years $20 million, which is almost exactly what he would get. With two years of the franchise tag, right? Um, they got themselves a nice out after year two. It's a pretty nice contract if you look at it. Is that what they offer Nick Chubb? Like the equivalent, so they give him some long-term, uh, you know, stability. Uh, like, hey, we could tag you, but instead, we're going to give you a couple years of what you would have gotten on the tag, and-, and take it that or leave it. Or, or because really they could tag him three times and it would look probably better than than the Aaron Jones deal.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the incentive would be for Nick to take a deal like that, because I think he's going to get paid somewhere. Uh, my only thought was that, you know, we we talk about um, they're cutting 2021 costs on some things. And like, is that because they want to buy out a year of Nick's rookie contract and pay him early? and and spend some money on him now so that when you kick in Baker and and Denzel and some others down the line, it doesn't have as big an impact. I've thought that could be a thing. I don't know. I'll have to see. It would only make sense kind of like baseball where they buy out your, 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 your service years and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I, I would presume that yes, they would make some deal that gives Nick good money up front and Nick views the Browns as a serious Super Bowl contender still and likes it here. And, playing behind this offensive line and this system and they can make it work. Look, all of these guys are getting paid, Brad, like, like Derek Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, um, Dalvin cook. They're all getting paid. Christian McCaffrey. He's going to get paid. And I, I guess the Browns could be the first team to buck that trend. I guess we would know we would probably have a better feel if they surprised us and took like you know, Demetri Felton in the fourth round or fifth round, they took a running back like in a valuable spot this year to start to groom that player. But I just think until I see a big name running back truly get let go in their prime, young prime after a rookie contract where Nick is produced as an elite running back, then, then I'll believe it. I just think they're going to find a way to pay him. They're going to pay him a four year, 48 million, four four years, 50 million with 22 guaranteed, something like that. It'll, it'll be structured similar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I totally agree that he'll get paid, I guess. My thing is, like, I, I don't know. The franchise tag comes with a, a like, kind of a bad blood thing between the team and the player sometimes. Like, do you think they want to avoid that altogether? Because if they really wanted to get, you know, cutthroat about it, they could say, listen, we can, ex- The, the w- where the exclusive franchise tag at is at for the running back is pretty cheap right now. Like, they can get, you can get seven years of Nick Chubb and do it year by year with the franchise tag, and probably pay less than you do through that contract is what I'm saying. So like nobody can even answer that if you do it year by year, like what's to keep them from playing cutthroat and keeping him for three years on the tag. Is that just a relationship thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it could be, you know, running backs don't like to linger for year to year when it's such a position that you could get hurt and it's, it's a position of extreme volatility. So probably is something that you want to avoid because you want to show Nick as a reward. I mean, not just because of that, but you also think Nick has shown no signs of slowing down. And like, he's going to probably be good through year five and six. And then it's like after years five and six, we'll say, okay, where are you here? If you're still playing at that lead level, then we'll pay you the rest of your deal. But um, the, the trend seems to be that you want to avoid it for, for, for rookies that are elite players and, and pay them so that you can uh, kind of structure some different things around them and look at where you're going at other spots too. So I, I, I guess if it got to the front – I'll put – let me say it this way. I'll put nothing past this front office. They could truly go all-in analytics and say we're not paying a running back big money. We're just never doing it. That would not stun me. I would be – again, I, I use these words carefully. That would not stun me. I would be surprised if they let Nick go. Uh, but I would not be stunned like if, if if he was like like they just didn't sign up to another deal. But I think that they would probably implement that franchise tag before that would happen. So um, yeah, you know, they, they they value Nick. They they, they should. They, there's no reason not he's an elite he's an elite yeah. guy and they should they should the way their offense is structured is built around a good really good running back tandem and I hope they keep him.
0: Yeah, me too. He's a special guy, too, and, and yeah. uh, you know, a special guy to have a part of this organization. So I, I, I want to see him stay for sure. Uh, I just wonder how they're going to go about that. So that's interesting to uh, get your thoughts there. Let's talk Baker's extension real quick. I mean, the the quarterback money, you know, Dak gets the monster deal after, you know, really mishandled it in Dallas his his contract situation. Uh, I mean, getting hurt actually benefited him because they, they looked yeah. so bad without him, right? And who would have thought that? But, uh, you know, Baker's extension, it doesn't seem like it's going to come this off season. Is, you know, they could probably save some money if they did it this off season. Like if they beat uh, the Bills and the Ravens to the table, they could probably save a couple million dollars here and there, which is, you know, a player every year or whatever. But are they more about just seeing more data points, uh, data points on Baker before they sign him to that deal? Or is this – what do you think on that? Is that why they're waiting, you think? Or is it just uh, – are you even sure they're waiting?
1: It is It is cutting out pretty hard. I'm not sure I got that question.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, you're, you're fine. Don't worry about that. Uh, so – I guess the ultimate question is the Baker the Baker f- extension. Uh,
1: yeah, I, like, I you you. yeah, like, do so
0: you feel like the reason why they're waiting? Well, I think it's twofold. I think
1: Baker's interested in waiting because the, ca- the salary cap's going to jump. I mean, like, for Baker, I get, okay, I, I just had this question on a pod yesterday, and it's like I formulated the way I'm at they typically want a three-year window to analyze a quarterback. It's natural, but the Browns bought, they botched it. They had, they lame duck you. They brought in Haley. who was so bad. he couldn't even keep him around. Freddie, this, this premonition happens with Freddie and you, 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 you give him this weird opportunity to be the head coach without really everybody buying into it. So they didn't really give him a competent head coach until year three. And then they started to surround him with the things he needs in year three and it took off by the end of the year. So like, that evaluation year, though, is still probably too small for them to feel comfortable with, to truly go out and offer them a $175 million deal or whatever. So um, Baker being the confident bravado dude that he is, he's probably like, that's cool. you know. I'm fine with that. I don't really want to sit down and agree to anything quite yet either unless you blow me away with the money. Uh, I would rather go out next year, throw for 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, 6-7 picks, and then come to the table with real bargaining power. In a year in which the salary cap jumps significantly, and then it's going to keep jumping in the future. So, like, I I know that we're talking about this year. If he signed a deal, it wouldn't even impact this year. So, like, that's probably silly to think that way. But like, I think that he he's probably. Let me put it this way: if they signed him in a month, I wouldn't be surprised. Just just it, they they think he's going to keep being really good, and Baker wants to get paid. Cool, I could see that working out for everybody. That's fine. I could also see them sitting around the table saying, hey, we liked Baker. We loved what he became by the end of the year. We actually put Baker in situations where Baker had to continue to show he could carry the team, and I thought they were they were purposeful about that, Brad. I want to be clear. like, I really thought they were putting him in situations where he had to carry them in big moments, and he proved yeah. he could. He had a great last two-thirds of the season, and that was great, and they're like, well, we love this data, but we would like to see it for another year. You go out, and there probably is conversations having this agent like, we love Baker. We're going to pick up his fifth year, and if he goes out and does it again next year, he, he's going to pay, we're going to pay him. And people shouldn't be pissed like, well, we, we should have signed him the offseason before because I saw this coming, and now we have to give him $50 million extra. Who gives a shit, Brad? Because that means he's really good, and you yeah. don't really care because he is the face of the franchise He's a top five quarterback in the league or whatever, five or seven quarterback in the league, and you can win a Super Bowl. So stop caring about money that's not your money. They're going to be fine. They'll figure out a way to make it work, and you should never be upset they didn't sign in the offseason before because, in my opinion, that's your front office being smart. That's them saying we need more data, and that's them trying to avoid a situation, and I'm not predicting he's going to get into a situation like Carson Wentz or, or Jared Goff. I'm not saying that, but that's what you want them to do is do their due diligence to make sure that doesn't happen because the worst thing in the world would be to, to pay Baker 150 million guaranteed. And then he goes out and has another season like his second year. And it's like, Oh my God, now we're locked into this. And what do we do? You don't want them to do that. And while I believe Baker will, will have another great year. I won't care after 2021, if he has a great year and they go to playoffs and they, they go crazy because they're winning football games, man. And that means your quarterback is really good. And who cares? Because you have a really good quarterback. It doesn't matter. Pay that man his money. And go win, win, and win. So that's like where I'm at with it. People are stressing about it, and it's like, nah, man, this is a win-win for everybody, in my opinion. Patience on this thing is is key. They'll pick up his fifth year, and they'll see where they're at after the fourth year. If he blows it up and they have to pay him really well, cool, because he blew it up, and he's freaking good. So, cool, Mine by me.
0: (laughs) It's a great problem to have. Jake, you've been fantastic as always. Uh, you are a gentleman and a scholar. You're just the best follow on Twitter. If you're a Browns fan, go follow him at, uh, at Jake underscore Jake Burns 18. Is that right? I just pulled that off the top of my head. Is that correct?
1: I think it's Jake underscore Burns 18. I don't know. I made it a long time ago. You're too yeah. kind though, Brad. Thanks, man. big fan of yours. You know that. Uh, good dude. You've helped me out in many ways. So uh, any
0: anytime you need me, I'm here, bro. You know I'm going to take you up on it. Thank you again, sir, and have a lovely evening. Just <laughs> like That was an interview with Jake Burns of the OBR. Absolutely killing it tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland on our 2021 offseason What's Next version edition of the show. I hope you enjoyed that interview as Jake always knocks it out of the park. Seriously, smartest guy uh, when it comes to Browns football in the city. A couple things here on the way out. So... Gonna do a uh, a mailbag show. We may tentatively have a show with Nick Shook tomorrow night. That's that's in the works, maybe potentially. Uh, so Mikey's working on that. I'm working on that. But if not, we'll get him next week on the air. We also could have a huge surprise uh, in the future here. Uh, a super monster guest potentially coming for all eyes on Cleveland. We're trying to work it out, uh, and uh, hopefully we can, because it would be uh, huge for the show. If you got a chance to watch the show tonight and liked what you saw, please hit the subscribe button on our way out. You have no idea how much it helps us. Two things uh, I want to talk about real quick. David and Joku. I still think, potentially could be on the trade block for the Browns. I think that it very possibly could be a draft night trade, and um, Another thing is that they are carrying nine draft picks into this draft, and there is no way they're going to carry nine players onto the roster. Uh, so potentially, some of those later round draft picks maybe help move them to get in position to get guys they really like in rounds three and four, where they have two picks. Maybe they use a pick in three or four to get up somewhere in in round two or one even. Uh, a space or two to to get a slot or two to get a guy that they really, really like. I think that that um, is not out of the question. Jake's uh, draft philosophy was uh, absolutely nailed it tonight. You know, take the best player available of positions that you value on your team. And uh, the Browns have put themselves in a position to do that. Although I do w- am interested to see how they address this edge position. And, of course, wide corner, which is where they still have... Uh, need they need depth and a long-term solution at edge, and they certainly need depth at the wide corner because you really don't know what Greedy going to be at this point. But I think Injoku could be on the move. Uh, you know, Jake kind of teased that they might take a tight end even if he's the you know mid mid draft, and, and that having three good tight ends shouldn't deter you from that because you don't know what's going to happen with Njoku. But I don't even know if he's going to see the season because ultimately the guy has made it very clear he doesn't want to be here. He's taken down everything, Browns and all this and that. And I know he's very professional, so if you bring him back, he's going to put his head down and work and play. But he's made it clear he doesn't want to be in Cleveland. And as far as I'm concerned, if they find a way to use him as a piece to get something else that they need um, and backfill with maybe a later pick in the draft uh, at tight end, you know, dealing from a position of power, it doesn't bother me in this situation. I certainly think that could be a draft night, you know, uh, asset that Andrew Berry and uh, Paul D. Podesta look at. Like, hey, if we need to use David and Joku to uh, get this player or move in the draft at a certain point, I think it's something that they could do. I wonder when I was doing my salary cap work for this show that. Uh, I wonder how long MJ Stewart is for this roster. Um, he makes over a million dollars. It's it's not guaranteed. He could be a cut at some point. I think if they, you know, get what they want in free agency, maybe they add a veteran cornerback and then add another cornerback in the draft. I find it hard to believe that they would keep MJ Stewart around. I know he played really well for them in the playoffs, but the the, the facts of it is he's short and slow, and uh, he just doesn't, I don't see him as a long-term part of the Browns, uh, so keeping him around now for maybe a younger player, like they did bring back Robert Jackson, R. Jackson, who did step up and play well, and not well, but admirably in moments when they needed him to towards the end of the season, makes a lot more sense to keep a guy like Jackson around than it does Stewart, uh, in my opinion, somebody with a higher ceiling, younger, uh, and, and certainly they are hopefully adding more of those pieces, younger, higher ceiling guys to the roster via draft, free agency, whatever it may be, that I don't know how long MJ Stewart is for this roster. Just a couple of thoughts. Last thing before we get out of here, another huge thanks to Jake Burns. But uh, once again, keep your prayers up for um, Ryan Ryan Switzer and, and, and Christian Switzer and family uh, as we see the updates on on uh, Twitter. And, and it's just an awful situation. And I Hope that little Christian, you know, pray for his strength and everything, and send good vibes their way as as they're having a really tough time. And, want uh, him to pull out of that for sure uh, it's a not not a cool story and would be really hard to watch it as a parent so uh, certainly send them your, your your prayers and good vibes for sure uh, uh, the uh, Switzer family and Christian Switzer who is uh, kind of going through a tough time right now and certainly obviously his parents are as well so send send a prayer up or send a, a tweet over his way or send just send him some good vibes whatever whatever uh, floats your boat or or, or does your thing to uh, help somebody out, just uh, just do it for them right now. They're having a tough time. Hey, this has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey knocked it out of the park. Jake Burns killed it. My name is Brad Ward. We thank you for watching. Please, please hit subscribe on your way out or watch the podcast where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, this has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland, the 2021 offseason what's next edition. And with that, Mikey, for Mikey, my name is Brad Ward. We are out.